I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and we are continuing on watching three episodes of uh, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, episodes six through eight. Yeah, and we're starting off with, uh, well, hey, you can tell what this episode's about. It's called Koichi Hirose Reverb. Or Koichi Hirose Echoes. Oh, right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Depends on where you see it listed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it This episode immediately starts off kind of like an idyllic looking day in the morning. Beautiful clouds, mm-hmm. God rays shooting out. Thanks, God. Uh, we we hear uh, Kai Harada, the... Uh, oh, I wrote my, the episode notes in the wrong order somehow. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, let me back up. It's are, you a nice, t- are you trying to talk about chapter seven instead? <laughs> I somehow these in the wrong order how the fuck did i do that anyways it's a nice beautiful morning and koichi's riding a bike and talking to himself about how much he loves this new bike he got to celebrate his uh starting high school koichi is cool because he's the only teen in jojo's to care about teenage things yeah like that's a pretty sweet bike actually yeah 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 and it's like he's the only teenager i think in all of jojo so far that looks like a teenager mm-hmm. <laughs> like he might he might be a little smaller still <laughs> the only kid approaching looking like a kid but yeah he's uh he's just so jazzed to be on this bike he does like a uh he almost drifts around a corner he's going fast and as mm-hmm. he goes he whips around the corner he goes oh shit what's that in the road there's some type of bag and he can't stop in time he hits the bag he wipes out he goes flying off his bike and there's this neon impact frame covered in arrows pointing every which way <laughs> yeah it's very good he he's getting off off the ground, dusting himself off. He he's fine, but he's just like, man, what was that thing I just hit? And he looks at this bag, and it's twitching, and you hear like the world's most pathetic like meow. It has been like four or five episodes since some horrific animal violence, so oh, I guess we're yeah. due. And in this like bag that's like tied up at the the end, you can just see like the arm of the cat in the bag like raise up into the air like as if reaching out for help and then it just falls flat on the ground and blood just starts pouring like seeping through the bag uh koichi has found himself uh having a very bad day all of a sudden but as he picks himself up uh the the stretch of road he's on is covered in graffiti the the structures around like the bike racks and the the lamp posts and everything are are all stickered Mm -hmm. lots of lots of people stickering around here (laughs) And Koichi is freaking the fuck out. He feels so bad that he just ran over a cat that for some reason was in a bag, tied up in a bag, um, and he he's just stunned. He doesn't know, like, what the fuck should he do with, with this cat he just ran over? But he gets some advice from your friendly local uh, uh, short, flat-top man. Yep. <laughs> this dude who's got a hair that looks like a Dorito chip uh, <laughs> or, or something. It's like, yeah, like a Dorito helmet. Like and that, <laughs> like the one of the, those three D Doritos they used to make is one of those. Yeah, crossed with the the like foam helmet that uh, boxers wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And th- this guy is just chilling out on a bench, mm-hmm. and he goes just like, "Oh man, that's so horrible. What what happened just now?" But it's you know you know it's not your fault. It's just an accident. Uh, the person who left the the kitten there on the road is to blame, not you. I would agree. Thank you, chatty stranger. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And this guy immediately doesn't look trustworthy. You know, 
the way this dude's dressed, kind of a, a loose-fitting shirt. It's got mm-hmm. like this gold watch. His shirt also has like it's covered in the flags of the world. Yeah, the the U.S. flag on his back, uh, uh, the Union flag on his chest. Uh, his collar has, uh, I think, the Netherlands flag on one side. Yeah, yeah. And the, this guy just starts asking Koichi all the these questions, like, "Oh, are you a high school student in in all this stuff?" He's like, "Ah, oh, I remember when I was in high school." Two years ago. He claims he's a very recent graduate. The dude looks 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he makes it sound like he's like 20 years old or something, but he's just a very short 40-year-old man, it seems. He got held back a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, and his name is uh, Tamami Kobayashi. Yeah. Koichi is, you know, still freaking out. He's just like, I should take this cat to a vet or something. And Tamami mm-hmm. is... Just trying to calm Koichi down, you know, grab him by the shoulder and go like, okay, hey, first, you know, come on, bud, sit down, sit down with me. He tells Koichi, hey, I got a proposal for you. Don't worry about this. I'll bury the cat if you just Mm -hmm. pay me some money. (laughs) And then he like stomps his foot down. He's like, are you fucking listening? Pay me money. This is extortion so bananas nobody would believe it. <laughs> Therefore, it is the perfect crime. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, there's a shot here when Tamami is starting to like badger Koichi for for money, where you see ants crawling across the the road, and they're trying to cross the blood that has leaked out of the bag. And some of them are getting swept up and down into a sewer grate nearby. And the camera actually cuts down to a single ant t- chilling in the sewer as yeah. blood drips on him. Just chilling out down there as it's it gets bathed in kitten blood. <laughs> One of the worst kinds of blood to have on you, honestly. Oh, yeah. Mosquito blood is the best. Because if you get mosquito blood on you, that means you won. You are That's victory mm. blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Koichi is getting freaked out by Tamami here and is just like, did you leave the cat on the on the road there? Did you do that? Tamami's just like, that's not important right now. You should feel guilty that you just killed that cat. Like, he's just completely changing his story now. It's like, no, you did that, Koichi. Fuck you. You killed mm-hmm. that cat. I look at how many charities survive on guilt-based advertising. This this is a proven tact. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's telling Koichi that you know, hey, you can clear your conscience by just paying me a whole bunch of money and then you'll be good. And when he's doing this, he's like poking Koichi in the chest a bunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As Koichi like backs up and, and gets off the bench where he had been poked, like a, a red aura appears and then a giant padlock grows out of his chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With uh, with the character for money written on it. Yeah. It's huge and square. Yeah. It's not like, you know, your your master lock for your locker. It's a, a like a, a very old-fashioned, like, Renaissance-style, yeah. a, a big, chunky, rectangular thing. Yeah. And it's, like, poking halfway out of his chest. And Koichi immediately realizes that this lock that's, that's appeared on him is a stand. And as that's happening, you see further away, up on a hill... Uh, Okuyasu and Josuke are walking to school and then they see they're like is that Koichi ah yeah he can handle himself (laughs) yeah they don't seem particularly interested (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, so Tamami is just going up to Koichi and just saying like hey okay you got any money pay up and Koichi is you know looking to the side kind of sheepish I I don't have any money yeah so he attacks you with like all of your, your guilt the weight of guilt bearing down on you it's 
It's just the phrase crushing guilt, but very, very literal. That's his whole stand ability. Yeah. And when Koichi says he doesn't have any money, the, the lock gets bigger because the, the, guiltier, the guiltier you feel, the larger the lock gets. And also the lock can tell when you're lying and will get bigger when you lie as well. It's like, what if Ghost Rider was a scam artist? <laughs> yeah. The penance stare just made you really heavy. <laughs> So, yeah, like, Koichi's falling to the ground from the weight of the the lock on him, the guilt lock. Tomami is just, like, grabbing Koichi's wallet and and seeing how much money he's got. And he's got, like, 70 bucks on him, basically. And that was money Koichi was going to use on his way to school to buy new sneakers for gym class. (laughs) He's such a good boy. (laughs) He's such a simple, normal teenage boy. Yeah, it's great. Koichi, like, talks about seeing this stand, and Tamami's like, oh, oh, you know what's going on here? Oh, this is way easier than kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you could actually understand what's happening, then, then you and me, we're going to get along just fine. Yeah. And, and we find out that uh, this is a stand he got recently from the Arrow. How fucking disappointed is Keicho in this guy? Yeah, yeah. Like, Tamami even name drops Keicho. Like, he at some point like actually interacted with with keicho but yeah that's gotta be like the most disappointing stand power to get for at least for what keicho is looking for like you can't do my sh- slug dad is incapable of feeling guilt this is useless <laughs> yeah. to me yeah uh tamami's pissed off because it's uh, koichi only has 70 bucks on him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as he's doing that uh here come Okuyasu and Josuke, they're just like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? You're bullying our little tiny friend. And Okuyasu just grabs the lock with his hands and just tries to rip it out of Koichi. <laughs> does does not work. It doesn't work. Tamami is getting like annoyed that suddenly there's a whole bunch of people just walking around that can all see stands and have stands, and he calls them all freak shows. He's not wrong, but yes. Yeah. Uh- how often do you think he does this kitten in a bag thing? Why does the pet store keep allowing him to buy kittens? They've <laughs> got to be asking some questions. Yeah. So, yeah, he Tamami's getting annoyed. He's walking away. He says, you know what? I wanted more money than what Koichi has. So if either of you pay me money, I'll take the lock mm. off of him. Mm. And no one's no one's buying that. Tamami says, here's the actual amount of money I want to get that lock off. It's 500,000 yen, which is like 5,000 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and as he's saying this, Okuyasu just does not give a fuck. And so he decks Tamami in the jaw. <laughs> yeah. How do you take out this weird stand? You, you hit the stand user, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> he's not as dumb as he keeps saying he is, I think. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's the secret. And there's this really funny animated shot. Like, after Tamami has been punched... He just starts staggering backwards way too much, even for how hard he got punched, because he, he he just goes walking backwards, stumbling like 30 feet until he's mm-hmm, close mm-hmm. enough to the curb of the sidewalk so he can purposefully fall on it and knock a front one of his front teeth out. Ah, uh, yes, mouth violence. It feels <laughs> like coming home. Ah, uh, and, you know, so now that Tamami's, like, purposefully knocked one of his teeth out, he, he's bleeding everywhere, he's crying, he's just like, oh, look what you did to me, I'm just a little guy. Uh, <laughs> and Okuyasu is just like, oh, shut up, you know, it's just a tooth. And Tamami keeps crying and wailing for long enough that Okuyasu's like, oh, are you actually hurt? And then 
a lock forms on his chest too because now he feels guilty especially because you know it's it's going to be so expensive to get that fixed because he doesn't have health insurance bullshit yeah yeah <laughs> japan's national health insurance will cover 70 percent of de- dental costs actually uh-huh. thank you very much <laughs> Getting his mouth fixed would cost less than his fake kitten. By the way, yeah. it's not a d- real dead kitten. It's a fake kitten. Yeah. It's just, some sort of, like, speaker box and blood bag or something. Yeah, Josuke, like, just opens up the bag. It's like a weird little, like, stitched together cat doll with, like, ketchup on it. Yeah. Uh, w- <laughs> that makes noise. And so he picks, you know, he's showing that off and, like, the lock on Koichi goes away because he didn't actually kill a cat. And mm-hmm. uh, then Josuke walks over to Tamami and just uses crazy diamond to just grow his tooth back basically <laughs> and then he's fine like his teeth are fine and he takes a moment to like clack his teeth together like chomp chomp and like they shine and, <laughs> and all this stupid cartoony shit uh and so his teeth are fine so uh okiyasu also no longer has the lock on him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tamami just like runs for it and it's like here's the wallet back fuck you guys but as he runs away, he actually ripped the corners off of uh, one side of all of Koichi's uh, money. So he actually mm-hmm. ran away with the the bills. It looked like the wallet had the money, but all that was mm-hmm. visible was just the, the tiny ripped corners. Yeah. While he's cowering and running away, we get some like top down shots of uh, Tamami's head and his hair looks like uh, uh, the, the tread pattern on a tire. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I don't like it very much. Mm-hmm. This this stand, the, the way at least it is used, it seems like another take on the lovers in that, like, mm. if you hurt him, it will hurt you more. But uh, uh, instead of through, like, brain chemistry, it's more like a behavioral uh, uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a different vein of psychology. Yeah, there's a couple stands that pop up through part four that feel like, Different takes or more refined versions of a couple of stands that you see in part three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With this being the first of those. It's later in the day now and Koichi is going home and he stops to tell his dog that's chilling outside that he's home. His dog that is bigger than him. Very sleepy. A big doofy senior dog named Police. <laughs> police. Yep. He's even got a little dog bowl that says police on it. it it's so if uh, uh, Josuke's grandpa shows up like, hey, you want to drink a water? And they point. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Fuck you. <laughs> so Koichi goes inside and he can faintly hear two voices talking as his mom and someone else. And then he notices, you know, by the front door where you, you, you take your shoes off, uh, Tamami's shoes are there. And, and they're beat to shit. The dude is very <laughs> bad at wearing shoes. Yeah, they are. He clearly just like slips on shoes that are not meant to be slipped on and has destroyed the heel of both yeah, of Yeah, the shoes. back of them is all fucked up. His shoes look worn in the way like a really well-used like catcher's mitt does. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Koichi's like a little worried and he walks in and, and peeks into the living room and Tamami is giving his mom a massage. Yeah, yeah, it's like the patty cake scene in Roger Rabbit a little bit. <laughs> a little, a little bit. bit. Like, when you first see this, it's from, like, Koichi's point of view, so it's all, like, shaky handy, like, handy cam style <laughs> to make it, like, here comes the trauma of seeing a weird man massage your mom! <laughs> and, like, the instant Koichi realizes what's happening, it, it like, zooms in in this super detailed view of Tamami with his look on his face. It's just like, yeah, I'm massaging your mom. <laughs> 
hey, kid, I'm touching your mom's shoulders. Are you freaking out yet? <laughs> and yes, he does. He drops his bag. And he's just, like, shaking in place. He's terrified. So that, that brings up our episode mid-card of The Lock. That is the name of uh, uh, our new enemy stand, named for The Rock by The Who. <laughs> yeah. So between, like, The Hand and The Rock, like wordplay is in the references like worse company is totally 100 legit yep <laughs> uh but also the rock is the uh, uh second to last song in uh the who's second rock opera album oh i wasn't aware it was rock opera it is an instrumental piece, and uh, its place in the narrative of the album is it's when the main character just sits on a rock in the middle of the ocean and, like, thinks about life for a while. Mm. I just looked it up, and it looks like it's very long. <laughs> Six and a half minutes. He's got a lot to think about by that point in the story. <laughs> okay, okay. But yeah, Koichi freaking out and also pissed off that Tamami is in, in his house. He, like slams the door open and he's just like what the fuck are you doing in my house but uh tamami must be the best shoulder masseuse in all of of morio because suddenly his word is law yeah yes yeah tamami is running the show here he he has told a different story to koichi's mom rather than the whole cat thing oh koichi accidentally uh ran into tamami while riding his bike and uh, they dropped all their stuff, and oops, they accidentally swapped wallets because Tamami ah. somehow has a wallet that looks basically exactly just like Koichi's. Mm-hmm. And so he he's uh, apologetic and understanding. It's it's all good. Everything's fine. But the thing is, I would like my wallet back because it had five hundred thousand <laughs> yen inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Koichi's just like, no, that's bullshit. We just have similar looking wallets, you know, like uh, none of this happened. And Tamami goes, oh, no, no, I have a way to prove that we did swap wallets because in the wallet that Koichi has, there should be a receipt for a restaurant I ate at yesterday for exactly this much you know like here's what i ordered this is how much it cost the time and and yeah the the dishes printed on the the receipt and everything yeah and so koichi opens up the wallet and yeah that receipt is there because uh tamami had just swapped the contents of the wallets earlier Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and, and planted this and as like this this uh uh confrontation comes to a head like, we, we are beyond just simple color swaps. This is a full pop art explosion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the characters are just popping out of the background because they all have, like, extra heavy outlines. There's a star pattern across the floor. The mm. the uh, coffee table in the living room has become the Johnny's Restaurant sign. Yes. <laughs> to underline, like, what is at stake here? You start getting, like, a... a not not quite a film grain over everything but as if like the show like the show was on film that had gotten really dirty uh, <laughs> yeah tamami just starts talking about like oh man you know it's, it's such a shame that you know your son has become such a delinquent and and you know is trying to you know cuz the 500,000 yen isn't in the wallet i guess he must have hid it somewhere or or spent it already and koichi's mom starts to feel so guilty about this that she gets the lock on her yeah, and the the way it locks around her heart, like the the shackle of the lock, slams into her chest like a bolt. It's <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. heavy, heavy impact. Yeah. And like, now we get to see how this works on people who can't see the lock. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess it just, they rationalize it as their conscience. Mm. Is it possible to die from this? To, to like be suffocated under the weight of, of the lock's guilt? Right. That's the threat, at least. Yeah. At this point, when the, the lock slams down on his, on his mom's chest uh koichi actually goes in to just punch <laughs> tamami yes yes he just like not even just walks over to him he leaps into action to go punch this guy but you know he's just a little guy <laughs> tamami's also a little guy but just a little bit bigger so he he just dodges out of the way and also what would your mother think oh it would yeah. break her heart to see her little boy be a hooligan <laughs> <laughs> so like as koichi is whiffing this punch uh, Tamami is just like sipping on this tea Koichi's mom made for him and just saying like, oh man, you know, I think I don't even want just 500000 anymore. This house that you live in is really nice. I think I'm going to try and get like the title and the deed and like the se- the family seal to this. Like this is just going to be my house. Because yeah, Koichi's <laughs> family lives in a pretty big swanky house. Yeah, it's all coming out. Everything's cards on the table. So I guess the lock also makes you deaf. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like his Koichi's mom in the background looks like she's so wracked with guilt that she's just like completely in her own head at this point. But this this uh, uh, impasse is broken by a, a, another person entering the room, and it seems Koichi's sister got all the tall genes in the family. Yeah, yeah, Koichi's sister is pretty pretty tall, and she you know she walks in, and when Koichi looks looks at her, she already has a lock on her. Because mm-hmm, earlier, mm-hmm. Tamami had made her feel guilty by getting her to spill a bit of tea on his hand and act like it really burned and hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he doesn't just want to seize the home. He wants to take the sister for himself. And, oh, uh, I'm going to say some good things in uh, the next two episodes about, <laughs> like, punch up in the dub script. There's some that I really like. But this line... Jesus Christ. Yes, yeah. Tamami calls Koichi's older sister, quote, fully grown and ripe for the picking. That is so gross. <laughs> it's fucking gross. Yeah. It's the worst way to match those lip flaps. My God. Yeah, it's it's gross as shit. And so, yeah, as Tamami is like laughing about that, about his, about his sister, <laughs> uh, Koichi gets, gets his green stand aura around him. And his hair changes. He basically goes Super Saiyan. His he's he, he's a Gohan. He, yeah. His hair does a Gohan. Yeah. So like up to this point, Koichi's basically had kind of a similar flat top thing to Tamami, just shorter. And you know he's got like yeah, gray yeah. hair. I mean his hair has been orderly and and combed back. Uh, uh, yeah. But all the the individual locks just go straight up on end. <laughs> yeah, and and he gets like the Super Saiyan hair. <laughs> He 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 starts to look a little bit more uh, manly. They they mm-hmm. you know he he Koichi's serious now, and his egg appears above him, and it cracks. He summons egg, and egg opens, revealing a bug slug, <laughs> a weird bug slug. Weird, but it's like okay. So imagine a horseshoe crab, I guess. Yeah. And inside the center of the shell, there's a little point sticking up, like a like a World War One German helmet. <laughs> yeah. But under the shell of the horseshoe crab, there are eyes? I guess you'd call them eyes. They're meant to represent eyes. Yeah. With little, like, bug man carapace 
tiny little arms. Mm -hmm. But then behind, instead of just a spike tail, it's a long, long tail. Like, there's a whole snake coming out the back of this thing. And he doesn't have hind legs. He's got little wheels. He's got little wheels instead of hind legs. And he's got, like, a little bird beak mouth. And this whole thing is is primarily green with like modeled different shades of green, yeah, uh, and yellow highlights for like the the head spike and the, the eyes. Those, yeah. those are in the a shade of yellow, and it's it's almost got kind of like a rattlesnake tail at like at the yeah, end a little bit, yes. yeah. So yeah, th- this weird little guy ha- has hatched out of the stand egg. Koichi just tells his mom and sister like you know stay outside of this room, and he. He slams the door on him and, and locks it. It's time to see what this stand can do. So it immediately leaps into battle, delivering a, a powerful flurry of blows all over uh, Tamami. And he's he's fine. It's <laughs> yeah, like it's the, like being tickled by a little baby. <laughs> yeah, like the the punch, the first punch that Koichi stand delivers looks and sounds really powerful. Like it's just this really like like. Boom. The, it's really funny because Tamami like goes, you know, reeling back like, ah, oh, wait, this doesn't hurt. <laughs> like he was just he's just screaming out of pain because he was expecting it to hurt real bad. Well, I'd like to see your stand try and punch somebody, big guy. huh? come on. <laughs> At least his has arms. Come on. And so there's just a beat after he goes like this doesn't hurt at all what, what the fuck is this your guy sucks and then uh Kuichi throws another punch with his stand and it doesn't hurt again like <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah tamami's just like mocking Koichi's weak stand and grabs Koichi by like the collar lifts him up and says like you know you must be like super weak will because your stand it just doesn't has no power behind it and as mm-hmm, Koichi mm-hmm. is like freaking out getting getting held up by uh tamami he notices that there are japanese characters now written on the side of tamami's face where he was punched yeah so koichi stand whose name we'll, we'll get later is is echoes or reverb uh, mm-hmm. uh in the localized name it has power over sound effects yeah and that is represented by hanging onomatopoeia in the air, something that we have been more than accustomed to in this program. Yeah. We've gone from stands that uh, uh, interact with the structure of objects to the structure of space, and now the structure of the comic book medium itself. Yeah. Wherever uh, echoes or reverb punches stuff, yeah, it can just leave written onomatopoeias, which then... Of like bam and biff and other yeah. you know batman 1966 style things yeah so that that onomatopoeia that's just like bam or whatever that's on the side of tamami's face it starts like emitting that sound effect very loudly within tamami's ears and it's just like head splitting it's so fucking loud <laughs> and then he looks at his arm where he also got punched and it just starts shooting out another similar loud ass sound this has all got to play better for people who can actually read yeah. the characters on the screen. Because, like, I I get it, but I don't, like, get it. You know, I, I don't. I anticipate something that's something's going to happen, but it's got to f- feel very different when you can read it and know what sound is about to happen. Yeah, I wish the uh, the Netflix subtitles just put on screen with those said, because I think the Crunchyroll version of this episode does that, I think. Well, it, it says things like, boom sound effect Uh, okay it's just not the same yeah it's a shame that they couldn't like 
reanimate that for the English dub, but also that would be really hard to do. So I get why oh, they don't yeah. do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not worth it for the amount of work. So yeah, it's it it's all these sound effects are shooting out from the parts where Tamami has been punched. Koichi remarks that this is just like a poem he learned about in school recently, or, or yeah. a haiku. About the power of cicadas, you know, uh, noise to penetrate through stone. And frankly, I've had enough of that lately. Yeah. I'm I've, glad they've been gone. Thank, oh, Jesus. Dude, they were fucking loud. This they summer were really was bad. rough. They were everywhere, just carcasses all over the sidewalk. Oh, man. Yeah, we got a couple trees pretty close to our apartment here, and it was fucking bad it was so bad i did like the time i was out you know walking mo and she sniffed one that she thought was dead and it wasn't ah. it just started flying all around ah, i hate man i hate cicadas so much <laughs> they're too big they are too big they freak me out but yeah the the sound effects are are sh- permeating out of tamami and he he can't ha- handle it it's, it's just uh koichi's just telling him like hey just you know, release the locks of my mom and my sister, and I'll just turn the sound effects off. He's negotiating from the very interesting position of like, hey, you better do what I say, because I have literally no idea what I'm capable of. Do you want to find out together? <laughs> do you, tough guy, huh? Yeah. And so Tamami, just like writhing in pain on the ground, starts scooting across the floor towards a cupboard and is telling koichi like hey my name means i've got balls of steel or whatever like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'll show you what i'm capable of and he pulls out a kitchen knife from one of the drawers and koichi in order to to try to have the the dub make it up to me after that ripe line uh, yeah (laughs) koichi shouts i'm not scared of that knife or your tiny balls (laughs) yeah i never heard the english (laughs) dub until this this watch so i i laughed at that line that was pretty good it's very good And so Tamami, you know, holding the knife, he turns it on himself and it stabs himself with a... He, he really acts, acts it up like he stabbed himself really deep, but he went for a shallow cut. Naturally, of course. that That's his M.O. Yeah. And and then he says, hey, kid, catch, and tosses the knife up. And uh, Koichi, is, he's still a, a good boy. He listens. He follows instructions. Yep. Yeah. catches that knife in a moment of confusion and then the door opens up like oh shit i probably shouldn't have caught this knife this looks bad yeah oh man oh jeez. both his mom and sister see koichi holding this bloodied knife and they go oh my god my boy is such a, a horrible delinquent how could i raise a, ch- a child like this and the locks on both of them get so massive that they just fall to the ground and like pass out so Koichi, just like experimenting, I guess, with, with what control over sound effects could mean, is is uh, facing down in, in you know, a very JoJo sort of, of confidence. We've seen it from the last three. Honestly, Jonathan never never pulled this move, but mm-hmm. I'm going to call your bluff. I'm going to do something that, that uh, has me so convinced of my victory that I'm not even going to break a sweat. Yeah. Even though there's no reason he should have any idea he can do this. <laughs> yeah. He has the ability to turn spoken words into EDM samples. Yeah. So so what's happening here is the the guilt that his Koichi's mom is experiencing is so great that it turns out, yes, Tamami's stand can actually kill people. If the guilt is great enough, they'll be driven to suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Koichi's mom just grabs that kitchen knife and is getting ready to plunge it into her neck. And so Koichi just shouts like, you know, mom, you've got to believe in me. 
this is all a trick. And as he shouts, believe in me, it becomes actual sound effects hanging in the air. Echoes grabs that and then throws it at his mom. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it becomes a hypnotic suggestion to yeah. believe in her son, who she loves so much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He'll drop the beat on you. Whoa. So now we've been properly introduced to Echoes. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, the namesake there. Uh, Echoes is another 23-minute Pink Floyd song. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> So Koichi and Josuke are their they're Floyd buddies. All right, yeah. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber was accused by the band of stealing uh, the the Phantom of the Opera overture from Echoes. Oh, huh. Okay. And you know what? If they'd went to court, I think they would have had a pretty strong case. Mm. If you can get past the part where someone is just screaming in the wind for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. God, twenty three minutes. Fuck that. <laughs> No, no. So yeah, this hypnotic suggestion essentially be like, yeah, I do trust my son. He's actually a nice boy. If he's saying that this is all a scam, I kind of believe him. Mm -hmm. And she believes in her her son so much that she like removes the lock herself. It just pops off without, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Tamami even even telling it to to go away. You know, he's super freaked out and, and on the floor, he's begging Koichi to, you know, like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't. Eat- <laughs> it was all a joke. I didn't mean any of this. <laughs> I was joking about taking the house. And so he, he gets thrown out. He's taken care of. There, there's nothing to fear here from this small man. <laughs> yeah. Tamami is, is groveling. And so Koichi says, okay, I know how you can make it up to me. And he gets like this really smug, evil look on his face and says, she's like, okay, just pay me 500,000 yen by tomorrow. <laughs> like he gets, he gets really intimidating <laughs> for being such a little guy. And then he's like, ah, I'm kidding. It's fine. Yeah. And Tamami is like crying now. And he's thinking to himself, that didn't sound like a joke. <laughs> And so the next day, you see Koichi walking to school. Josuke and Okuyasu are, are nearby and see that Tamami is now like Koichi's personal servant. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just carrying his school bag for him and being very nice to him, like out of complete fear of Koichi. As In terms of sub and dub differences, there's a very interesting one here for Okuyasu. Like, in the the subtitle uh, uh, translation, so often he'll just say that he's a dumb piece of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not very bright. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. But uh, <laughs> I, for the dub, they'll soften that usually to, like, him just not knowing what something means or saying he's confused. Yeah. Yeah, because Josuke says, upon, you know, seeing Koichi and Tamami hanging out, He's just like, this. are we in the Twilight Zone? And Okiyasu just like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what the Twilight Zone is. So, yeah, that's the end of episode six, which brings us to episode seven, Toshizaku Hazamata Show Off. Mm. Or to- Toshizaku Hazamata Surface. <laughs> so this episode is starting off with... Uh, there's this teenager in his room staring at a poster of like an idol he likes mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's got magazines. I mean, the that, first frame is the poster. Yeah. So, so close you don't even know it's a poster. It might just be a lady. Yeah. But but no, it is a, a lonely teen listening to the, the late night radio show hosted by the morning radio guy. He's just a 24-7 DJ. He doesn't sleep. He's the best in the business. Uh, and this guy, this is the most just a dude looking guy that yes. has ever been the focus of a scene in the entire run of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. This is just a guy, a little dumpy maybe, but yeah, just a guy. It's the least surprising thing to find out that this is an anime original insert. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, this guy's just, you know, listening to this late night radio program. He He's looking at the poster and, and a magazine of this this idol he's clearly into. Uh, he eats a chip and then he goes to, it looks like, reach for uh, a drink he has nearby. Meanwhile, the late night DJ is taking a letter from someone who uh, uh, calls herself Forever 21 and is <laughs> complaining about this one signal crossing that's broken and it takes forever to, to let you pass. <laughs> Uh, instead of grabbing the drink, this guy grabs uh, a mechanical pencil that's right next to it. And this guy, he's not blinking. He's just has this kind of like half-lidded like smile uh, on mm-hmm, his face. Mm-hmm. And he takes a mechanical pencil and he drives it into his eyeball. The letter wasn't that bad. I'm sure she was going to like request a song <laughs> you like or something. Dude, calm down. Oh, man. And that leads into the OP... Which is new and different. Echoes yeah. is in it. Yeah. Uh, it, in the beginning, when the the three, when our three uh, uh, musketeers <laughs> do their little poses with their stands, now Echoes pops out. Yay! And he he makes sort of like a full shape with Koichi's lean, and then that ends with with Echoes reifying the lyric. At that point, the English word mystery is yeah. now written in hanging in the air next to them. Yeah, that's a nice little change. I like that a lot. Uh, and he also appears at the end like one of the final shots is uh uh, the hand like swiping down a wall to like break through to the final uh image of the op but now echoes is drawn in graffiti on that wall Mm -hmm. so after the op we're right outside uh the high school everybody goes Mm -hmm. to and tamami's still here he's he's just a a, a acquaintance a pal now (laughs) of the group and Koichi's hair is just now up and tussled, not like straight up, but it, he's had a transformative experience. Yep. He has a messier, cooler guy hair. Yep, his hair is just like that for the rest of the show now. <laughs> so Tamami is a guy that gets them information now. Yes, he is an informant uh, because because the crew is looking for the arrow. They want to know every possible stand user that uh, Keicho created with the arrow, because that's like their one thing they know about this guy. Mm-hmm. Also that he's in school. That's two clues. Yeah. So Tamami does have some some info about someone else who got shot with the arrow. Um, he's got a picture of this high school student. A Molgoth. Yeah, he's a Molgoth. His name is Toshikazu Hazamata. And apparently Hazamata and a friend of his had uh, gotten into uh, an argument at the start of the year over the idol. Or a manga they both liked, yeah. or it could be anything. But, like, is something definitely fanish and petty. Yeah. Later on, Hazamata's friend gouged his eye out with a mechanical pencil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Didn't die, went to the hospital, but, yeah, just uh, gouged one of his eyes out. 
this is immediately like, hey, that sounds like something a stand would make somebody do. <laughs> and so, yeah, they've got a picture of this guy and, you know, they're suspicious of him. So both Koichi and Josuke have decided that they're going to, uh, you know, snoop around the school and try to find this kid and mm-hmm. see if he's got the bow or something. Meanwhile, uh, Tamami has to go go to work. He got a new job in finance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the teens are like, wait, you're loan sharking, are you? Like a lot of the actions Tamami does in the show now are going to be punctuated by cash like cha-ching noises. Because <laughs> like when he walks away at the end of this scene, he just like teleports further and further down the road. And every time he teleports, it just goes ka-ching. <laughs> But he has grown to love uh, uh, the, the, the man he serves, Koichi, and <laughs> cries because he is so noble in his endeavors. Yeah, because Koichi, Koichi, you know, says that he has also decided to join in the, the search for the arrow because he also wants to defend this town, specifically his mm-hmm. family and all of his friends. And Koichi says, I'm scared, but I have to do this. And yeah, that, that makes Hamami cry. <laughs> <laughs> Koichi's a little Jojo. He, He's like, a little Jojo. I'm starting to come up with a conspiracy theory where uh, Koichi was planned to be the JoJo and then editorials like, the JoJo has to be cool. Whatever <laughs> else he is, he's got to be a cool guy. Yeah. While Josuke does a lot of stuff in throughout part four, Koichi gets almost just as much action to the point mm-hmm. where he feels like he's the secondary protagonist. Like... <laughs> But he's got all these markers of Jojo-ness. Like, yeah. he's making a criminal weep for, for how uh, noble and heroic <laughs> he is. Yeah, Ko- Koichi's inherited some of the legacy of Jonathan, I guess. So uh, uh, they so they have a photo. Uh, th- this Hazamata guy is apparently uh, transferred to their high school recently. They know what class he's in. So they go up to that class. And uh, they, they peek in, you know, the, the door is open a crack to see all the different groups of students chatting and, and hanging out in between actual, like, instruction hours. Mm-hmm. And every time we go from, you know, the group of dudes, the group of girls, the, like, one lone kid sitting alone, the the Polaroid wipes across to, to do the cut from, from yeah, each group. That's fun. They're They're not finding him anywhere, but behind them you can see Hazamata just like peeking out from behind a door in a, in a different classroom mm-hmm. uh, a little freaked out that someone knows about him and is searching for him he's got black chin length hair it's like straight and stringy kind of greasy probably <laughs> yeah uh his jacket has uh it, it all comes together in the center with like buckles yeah big gold buckles like it, it looks like an old-fashioned uh, uh, evil dentist jacket, but <laughs> instead of off-center, the, the buckles are on the center line. Yeah, uh, and that goes like pr- practically floor length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he Hazamata definitely looks like the weird goth kid that everyone had mm-hmm. in their class or something. That that was kind of a loner. Koichi and Josuke aren't finding him anywhere, so they go to his locker to search through it and they just tear the door off with crazy diamond and you know it's it's fine they can fix the door what what do we got in here we got a uh, a tennis racket we got some changes of clothes naturally school books and turns out this hazamata guy big manga reader i want to see some titles come on let, let's flip through some covers yeah the the all the manga covers are pretty detailed none of them are real but there is one manga in that pile that we'll we'll revisit later on in the 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 
in part four, though. It is called Pink Dark Boy on yep. the cover of Shonen Jump. I had to look this up because it looked like uh, a JoJo cover or mm-hmm. one of Araki's other works. Yeah, Pink Dark Boy. We'll be seeing that later. This is apparently foreshadowing. I know it is foreshadowing because it had like a blue link in the wiki, but I did not click it. <laughs> yeah. But the, the other covers suggest uh, their genres, at least. We got something that looks like a, a love triangle book. Yep. There's there's two girls on a, on a boy and like there's a, a wedding band mm-hmm. uh, up in the opposite corner. Uh, there's a teenage girl looking moody on one of them. Oh, yeah. Like we could use some horror or sci-fi action, but, you know, it's, it's a good variety. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're go- they're digging through the locker. You know, there's no bone arrow or anything. They're not finding anything much until they throw enough stuff out of the locker to notice there is a human-sized wooden mannequin inside. It is the sort of wooden mannequin that uh, uh, an artist would use as a pose reference. I think there's one around here somewhere in the room where I am. Oh. But... But this one, instead of being 12 inch, like, you know, the standard size, it is man size. It is big. When Josuke first spots it, he like jumps back like, oh, shit, it's a stand. Oh, wait, no, it's just a wooden mannequin. Weird. And then the wooden mannequin starts to form a human hand. A poof of white smoke shoots out a locker and out steps a perfect copy of Josuke. There's two boys that are two boys. There's two boys. There's four boys right there. Five, because Koichi's nearby. <laughs> There's five boys. And the, the only noticeable difference between Josuke and this, this mannequin copy of Josuke is that the copy has a single screw right in between his eyebrows. So it's a good thing that Josuke has that pompadour that sort of uh, shades it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite so obvious. Yeah. And so the, the copy, Josuke, starts talking. And, and brings up, I forgot to look this up, if this is a real manga or not, uh, Perman? That's real. That's real. Perman is a real, like, early 60s manga from the same creator team of Doraemon. Oh, okay. It, it's sort of like a, a superhero secret identity story. Mm, okay. And in order to protect their secret identity, they used uh, this sort of changing robot that, that could, like, perfectly mimic themselves. Hmm. And that's how this this mannequin copy of Josuke introduces himself. It's like, hey, it's like that thing from from uh, Perman, you know, the changing robot. You, you know, you know, the changing robot. And Josuke <laughs> has not read Perman. Uh, and so and so the mannequin blows up at him just outraged that he wouldn't have read Perman. Yeah, he asks him, are you even Japanese? And like. This is like me shouting at someone, what, you haven't read Nemesis the Warlock? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Oh, man. Which does kind of sound like me, to be fair. (laughs) I haven't read that. You gotta read Nemesis the Warlock. (laughs) I'll put it on my list. And yeah, after after this copy gets pissed off, he uh, raises one arm, and it causes the real Josuke to also raise the same arm. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever the mannequin is a copy of, it can control. What if Pinocchio was the one pulling the strings? Ha ha ha. Whoa. Uh, the copy calls himself a puppet master. Mm-hmm. Nice defense. The, the copy swings his arm back, like with his elbow out, causing the, the real Josuke to drive his elbow extremely hard into Koichi, who's standing right behind him. With a lot of crunching noises. God yeah, damn. Yeah, you hear like 
every bone in the top half of of Koichi just like crunching and just turning into powder. And Koichi gets sent flying through the door as well. So he crashes through that and the glass and he is really fucked up looking. He hits this like steel door into the locker room so hard it busts off the hinges. (laughs) Yeah. And so Koichi's out. Josuke gets real pissed off and sends Crazy Diamond out to go for a punch. But the copy just walks back out of the range of Crazy Diamond. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he can, you know, also control where Josuke is as well. So he can effectively just keep Crazy Diamond out of range all the time. The copy also has really fast reflexes. So when Crazy Diamond grabs a mechanical pencil and throws it at him, he just grabs it right out of the right out of the air. Uh, so this is our first look at Show Off, or as originally called, Surface. Mm-hmm. Surface is named for an R&B group that was uh, uh, topping uh, the, the R&B charts, and even uh, uh, the, the uh, Hot 100 mm-hmm. at the time, uh, uh, around when this was coming out. I've never heard of them. <laughs> Surface is another band whose hits have not uh, had the... the uh, staying power over the last 30 okay. years that, that some of their contemporaries did. Yeah. So at this point, you know, the, the copy has grabbed that mechanical pencil out of the air. Uh, Hazamata is in the locker room now, hiding behind uh, the, the other end of the lockers, just kind of peeking around the corner. The copy tosses a mechanical pencil at Josuke, and he's just, like, confused and grabs it, and then, oops, he's getting forced to drive this mechanical pencil into his eyeball very slowly. Maybe this dude just hates eyeballs. You ever think of that? Yeah. It could be. Hate, hate those eyes. But Hazamata has already announced that his goal is to uh, uh, get rid of Jotaro. Mm-hmm which suggests he might be connected to whoever has the arrow. Like, this, his stand is obviously not Chili Pepper, but maybe they are allies. Yeah. Or maybe he has one of a thousand other reasons for trying to get this dude out of town. I don't know. It does seem like he might know the guy the guy who, who has uh, the Chili Pepper stand because uh, Hazamata also knows about Jotaro being able to freeze time for a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After, like, announcing his plan... You hear the the squishing sound of the mechanical pencil being driven into Josuke's eyeball, and Josuke just collapses to the floor. Hazamata like actually comes out and, and fully reveals himself now, and he just starts chatting with his stand as Josuke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stand has a little bit of Josuke personality. It doesn't just copy. You know, the copy's not just skin deep. Yeah, like like you could tell it's a mix of Josuke and also of his actual user mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fun. So yeah, now that Josuke is apparently, you know, down for the count as well, uh the copy Josuke is just going to call up Jotaro to a location and they're just going to beat the shit out of him or kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah. you know, it's easy to get in within Jotaro's range if he trusts you. Mhm. And as the copy Jotaro turns around to leave, you can see on the other side of his head is the sound effect written on his head, squish. Yes, yes. Because perched up uh, on top of a row of lockers uh, out of view of Hazamata is Echoes, who has a disgusting little giggle. I do not (laughs) like the sound of this laughter. Yeah. It's very bad. (laughs) Yeah. This weird, creepy panting. I don't like it. So, yeah, Echoes had put the squish sound effect on Josuke, the copy Josuke, so he thought he heard the sound of Josuke <laughs> annihilating his eyeball with a mechanical pencil. And once they're out of the room, the real Josuke gets up, and he's fine. He, he's just got a tiny little wound. Yeah, on his cheek. He, he poked himself in the cheek instead. Yeah. 
And this is a combo move. This is teamwork they worked out because as soon as Koichi was struck and all of his bones were broken, his bones were in the very next moment healed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The instant after he was punched, he was punched again, but by Crazy Diamond. (laughs) Uh, He has been in excruciating pain from the new wounds and injuries sustained by slamming into the door, but that's okay. He he gets patched up right quick. (laughs) Yeah, it's really... It is because you, you basically see like a slow-mo flashback, the order of events there. And it's really funny that Koichi got fucked up, got healed, then got fucked up a second time. <laughs> and it sets up maybe the most Koichi line like, I don't want to be a bother, but I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. Right before Josuke heals Koichi's wounds, they fist bump. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Couldn't wait till after. Maybe he's got some like busted knuckles. You don't know. Yeah. Koichi's all all good again, and Josuke and, and, and Koichi are running outside the school in search of Hazamata, mm-hmm. and we see this... But, but they're being spied on because yeah. there's a girl in this a one. A girl. A girl. Yeah, so there's a, a, a pretty tall high school girl walking down a, a hallway, and she looks out the window and can see you know further, you know, one floor down outside mm-hmm. Koichi and, and Josuke going after uh, Hazamata. And as uh, she is looking at the two of them, she blushes. Oh. Mm. And this girl has incredibly long black hair, like down to her knees, basically. Yeah, n- nearly ankle length. I mean, if if she straightened it, because it's all like bouncy and wavy and luscious, she would trip on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can tell she's important because, like other important characters in part four, she has a customized school uniform. Yeah. She's yeah. got like a, a, a crop top mm-hmm. almost so she's got a lot of midriff going on she she has embroidered roses uh, yeah. on either sleeve yeah after we see her her blushing at the at the, the, the two boys uh we cut to josuke at a payphone trying to call up jotaro at the hotel but the line's already busy so they assume that, you know, the, the fake uh, uh, Josuke is already calling him. And while that is a fair assumption, and in fact an accurate one, mm-hmm. I mean, phone calls are like his whole day. That's all <laughs> we see him do in that hotel. Yeah, like Jotaro... It could be anybody. Jotaro doesn't fight much anymore. He is just like the the paperwork guy now. He's got important yeah. business to do. Featuring Mitch Pelegi as Jotaro Kujo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, he is the Skinner of Jojo now. With his perfectly spherical nose. That's my favorite thing about Mitch Pelegi is that if you, oh, man. if you just like painted him, he would look like he's wearing a clown nose. Yeah. Did you know it's that he amazing. was Did you know that he was the guy who narrated the uh that Fox TV show in the early 2000s with the masked magician who revealed yes. how magic tricks work? Yeah, Mitch Mitch yes. Pelegi narrated that. Whenever I think about Mitch Pelegi and the X-Files, I immediately remember the episode where there's a full scene of him just in socks and white underwear, and it's... And it's sexy as hell. <laughs> That's what it is. I cannot remember if that is the same episode where it's revealed that he has a ghost grandma from Vietnam protecting <laughs> him. Do you remember that? How how can one forget? <laughs> but yeah, Josuke is on the phone with the... Or uh, Jotaro's on the phone with the copy Josuke. And is told, hey, we've got info on uh, where the bow and arrow is. Meet us at the train station in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jotaro immediately leaves to meet up with copy Josuke. And the real Josuke is still calling. And eventually no one's just picking up. The line isn't busy, but 
So, oh right. shit, he must have left. We gotta go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a door wipe somewhere in here, but I can't remember what it is. Somebody closes a door, and the the wipe follows that to cut to the next scene. I yeah. just wanted to mention it, but I forget who and why and when. Oh, there's a transition earlier on I forgot to bring up, too. When they're in the locker room, there's a, a point where like you're seeing the, the locker room from one end of the hallway. And it's, mm-hmm. it's far enough back that you can see the end of the lockers from this end of the hallway. And the camera switches so that you see it from the other end of the hallway. But it doesn't do that by just cutting. It just The camera just pans from the left side to the right side. And then all of a sudden, it's on the opposite side of the mm-hmm. hallway. It's like really disorienting, but kind of cool looking. But anyways, uh, Hazamata and Copy Josuke are walking down the road. And they come into contact uh, with Tamami. Who's very confused to see uh, uh, Josuke walking around with this dude Josuke was hunting. Yeah. Apparently unaware that Josuke likes to make friends of people he fights. <laughs> yeah. So Kabi Josuke kneels like all the way down to make eye contact with Tamami and he's still taller than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, do you know, not know why I'm here? And Tamami is like really freaked out and sweating. He's just like, I have no idea. And so Copy Josuke just grabs a brick and just bashes Tamami over the <laughs> over the head with it real hard. You didn't have to do that. You seem incapable of guilt and are therefore immune to his abilities. Yeah. You could just walk away. So Jotaro, J- Jotaro, whoa, Jotaro is or or is in a taxi cab. And he's just telling the taxi driver, like, fucking go faster, damn. <laughs> and so, yeah, now now it's just a race to get to the train station. And we are tracking their relative progress on a map. There mm-hmm. is often a, a, like, transparent map overlay showing, you know, the streets. And each uh, party we're following is a different colored uh, a dot of light mm-hmm. moving across the, the uh, uh, radial layout of, of Morio. Yeah. None of these streets intersect at a 90-degree angle, I swear. <laughs> yeah, Morio's laid out real weird. Koichi and Josuke run down uh, the street where Tamami was, and they don't notice his bloodied, unconscious body because it's been dumped in some tall grass. But Kapi Josuke and, and Hazamata are getting slowed down because it's too many girls with a crush on Josuke. <laughs> and they all, keep de- they all keep saying hello to him. And some of them are delivering love letters to him. That he grabs and shreds into tiny pieces. Yeah, Hazamata is, is shredding the love letters. And he's getting pissed at his own stand because it's just like, why does everyone like you? This always happens. No one ever gives me love letters. He's immune to guilt, but not to jealousy or or uh, sour grapes. Because he's like, yeah, well, all these girls suck anyway. I, yeah. would, I wouldn't want them to like me. Uh. Yeah, they're all ugly anyways. None of these <laughs> girls are cute. Hazumata starts thinking to himself. And at some point, he uses Stan to make a copy of a girl he had a crush on. But it's still a copy of the girl. And she doesn't like him. So his Stan was just like bitchy to him. And he was <laughs> he's real bitter about that. Damn, it seems like people don't like existing only for your whims. Whoa. Damn. If any of your, the speculative fiction you seem to enjoy dealt with that sort of thing. Mm. We got a Pygmalion manga in there, my guy. Come on. <laughs> so Hazmata, out of frustration, punches his own stand, which, despite looking like Josuke, is still, like, is still made out of wood. So he like hurts his hand punching this wooden mannequin guy. <laughs> and it's a little bloodied. And so when they're walking down the street, he wipes the blood on his hand off on a really expensive looking motorcycle. Yes. <laughs> Which pisses off two older men who l- are dressed too cool for their age, I would say. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're getting real pissed off. Or one is, and the other gut friend is trying to calm him down. This guy delivers, apparently, according to his friend, the sickest burn he's ever heard. He calls Hazamata a half-dead cricket on a death march. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's the way he walks. That, yeah. that is what his gait appears to be. Which, you know, not incorrect. Mm-hmm. Not mean, sure, but, but I wouldn't call it uh, uh, unfounded. And so this pisses off Hazamata, and he uses his stand to karate chop one of the guys over the head, knocks him out. And then his stand just grabs and holds the guy that insulted him. And this kid just pulls out a box cutter, mm-hmm. decks this go- dude in, on, on the nose, and then is about to jab his box cutter into this guy's mouth and like cut his tongue out. We've been in part four long enough in this, you know, high school, relatively low stakes take on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that, Mm. you know, expectations have reset and a kid with a box cutter is suddenly terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. When it would be just a joke, just a punchline, any other part ever since Dio became a vampire. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of interesting how part four, like, very successfully resets the stakes in a way that a lot of other shows I feel like that wouldn't work Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i I guess just because it's also just jojo at this point has already gotten you made gotten its audience used to the fact that every part's going to be kind of different so i guess resetting the stakes is less of a big deal Mm -hmm. but yeah the the instagram bikers are saved from becoming uh uh, the dark knight joker uh (laughs) they they get interrupted by uh the real josuke on the other side of the street through a shard of broken glass straight at them which show off grabs in his hand Josuke was never planning to actually hurt them with that glass. Rather, he uses crazy diamonds so that the shard of glass that Standoff is holding, that's the point mm-hmm. in which the broken bottle it's from reforms around it, which causes the wooden mannequin hand to just get severed clean off. It's like the opposite of a grenade. Yeah. You, you, th- you throw the shrapnel and then it turns into uh, an inert object. <laughs> yeah. So now that, you know, one hand has been chopped off of Copy Josuke, and he clearly has a wooden stump for an arm now, Mm -hmm. you know, that marks him as obviously not the real Josuke, so that Jotaro can hopefully, you know, notice that, as long as he doesn't just keep his hand in his pocket, which he does. (laughs) (laughs) Their their paths have crossed, they're they're clearly neck and neck, uh, trying to be the first Josuke to get to Jotaro. <laughs> That's the goal, after all. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so th- they're running, and you know the the fake and Hazamata are slightly ahead, and then they hear the the bells start to ring for this signal crossing, the one that was foreshadowed in this uh, insert cold open scene uh, that that takes so damn long to to mm-hmm. uh, uh, open up again that everybody hates it. So rather than wait, they take a slightly longer route. To to save time by going up the stairs through the station to go down the stairs on the other side. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. Uh, we were supposed to be paying attention when the, the just a guy guy stabbed himself in the face. <laughs> now I'm waiting for a, a girl that is literally forever 21, some sort of ageless young woman. Mm-hmm. Or right before that, actually. Hazamata and uh, his stand are running across the, this bridge to avoid the train, and then they notice wait a fucking minute, there's the real Josuke and Koichi just walking across the tracks. Why the fuck isn't the train here? Mm-hmm. And that is because Koichi used re- uh, echoes to put the sound effect of the the train crossing bell all across the train tracks. 
just to mm-hmm. trick them to think the train's actually coming when it's not. And then they do a high five. Which, then they high five. It, and it's a high five wipe. The scene cuts through their high five. <laughs> yeah. So the rest of the action of the scene takes place in the the uh, town plaza right outside the main train station, right? Where, where essentially Diamond is Unbreakable began with mm. the, the fated meeting of the JoJo's. In fact, the turtle is here. The turtle's still in the fountain. There's a turtle cameo. <laughs> so yeah, they, they meet up with Jotaro and they're like, oh, phew, glad we got here first before, you know, those other guys did. Looks like you're safe now. And as Josuke is saying that, he reaches into Jotaro's coat and pulls out a pen. And then he waits. He thinks, wait, why did I just grab a pen out of his coat? And he turns and looks to his right. And there is a, a like store display window there. And he looks at his own reflection. And perfectly in the same pose aligned with his reflection is the copy jo- Josuke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so I guess if you're doing it through a reflection, then he can do the puppetry mirror-wise, because Josuke did take that pen out right-handed. Yeah. And Surface does not currently have a right hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Show-Off is is on the other side of this window, and he is controlling the real Josuke to stab Jotaro right in the back of the skull and into his brain with this, this sharp-ass pen gotta kill him instantly because otherwise he'll he'll freeze time and then we're all fucked yep because Molgoth did his homework mm-hmm. and so right as josuke is uh, about to drive the pen into jotaro uh the stand uh show off just like deactivates because hazamata gets decked across the back of the head by the two motorcycle dudes from earlier Josuke had actually healed their wounds for them, and they they explicitly mm-hmm. say this out loud, and they say, I don't know how he did that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he told us where you would be. And so, you know, hey, we're going to take you out behind an alley and beat the shit out of you, kid. So through the power of being a nice, likable guy, uh, Josuke has has triumphed over uh, the, the surly, resentful <laughs> uh, Molgoth instead. Yeah. Now that everything's everything's good, everybody's safe, Hazamata's stand is still there. You know, it's just a stand, like, projected onto this wooden dummy. So mm-hmm. they just take the dummy and they just punch it into a million little pieces. So that's that's good. Like, so much of Hazamata's, you know, tactics are all based around having a his stand possess an object to to copy people Mm -hmm. but like the stand itself is still out there he can think of different ways to use it right (laughs) yeah who knows maybe he's just got to wait to get enough allowance to get another mannequin again i don't know i suppose i suppose (laughs) yeah because like the first time i watched this i wasn't realizing that the stand possesses the mannequin so it's like wait isn't hazamata about to fucking explode (laughs) (laughs) after the mannequin is destroyed it cuts to later in the day where uh, we find out that Tamami, he's still alive. He's being sent to the hospital. And also Hazamada got the shit beaten out of him. His face is all swollen and he's being wheeled away into an ambulance as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they can be buddies. Yeah. Hey, uh, jo- Josuke, can you just like t- t- tap him? Just touch him? <laughs> right. Just, That's his punishment. Uh, only Okuyasu gets the, the special treatment? Come on. <laughs> They didn't hurt nobody. When you think about it, Josuke should really just be going to hospitals and just touching everybody. <laughs> he he could he could go through a whole hospital basically a day. It's just that song from Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> where he gets overwhelmed by all the the, the beggars and, and the, the lepers. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so while Jotaro, Josuke, and Koichi are all watching Hazumata get wheeled into this ambulance, and they all have the uh, they all have like a tough guy pose going on as they stare at this. Uh, behind mm-hmm. them on a, a street lamp, uh, Chili Pepper shoots out of it and just goes like, "You fucking idiots!" And then he leaves. This bird's a jerk. I don't like this bird. Get rid of this asshole. I don't like him. Yeah, he basically just goes like, Hazumata sucked, and also you guys suck. Bye." And they don't even notice. <laughs> And that is the end of the episode, bringing us to episode eight, Yukiko Yamagishi Falls in Love, part one. Mm. We, we start this episode, uh, Josuke still has a band-aid from the pencil stab on his cheek, so yes. not a lot of time has passed. It's, it's hot on the heels of the last one. And uh, we find out that uh, Hazamata was unrelated to Chili Pepper. He's just sort of a, a freelance angry goth. <laughs> yeah. But Okiyasu really wants to be sure he was uh, through thorough application of torture, you know, just in <laughs> case. Well, they do reveal actually here that Hazamata did talk to the user of Chili Pepper, but only through the phone once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okiyasu loves torture. Josuke counters that, hey, the, the proof that he doesn't know anything is that he's still alive. Yep. Uh, if there there was a real lead there, he'd be roasted like your brother. Remember your brother? And Okiyasu's like, yeah. I'm sad now, but you're right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, while Hazamata d- doesn't know much about that guy, uh, he does mention something that they thought was interesting. Hazamata apparently believes or knows that uh, stand users, regardless of where they are, are drawn together by fate. Like the like the red string of fate myth, where you know you're, you are by fate drawn to your your one true love by invisible red thread how invisible can it be if it's red how red can it be if it's invisible we got to think through these things whoa so yeah regardless of what you do if you're a stand user you will be drawn to encounter other stand users i would love it if uh the the very next thing was just like our our three buddies doing a a very elaborate high five (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah together forever yes woo you know, he's saying Morio is a really small place. I don't know how many stand users there are here, but there's not a lot of places to hide. As we get an aerial shot of a commercial seaport. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't think Morio's that small. Like, Morio is small the way Springfield is small. They <laughs> yeah. just say it is, but it has literally everything a city can have. Yeah. Uh, if people in Morio weren't fucking weird, it looks like it would be a nice place to live. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, the, the the user of Chili Pepper, sooner or later, he's going to meet up with the, the, the heroes because of the mm-hmm, way stand mm-hmm. users are drawn together. So that's why he wants to get rid of them as fast as possible. As fast and as at a distance as possible. Yeah. And so Josuke and Okiyasu are like walking home and Okiyasu is just very loudly shouting, just like, what a coward. He should fight us right now. <laughs> As they're having this uh, discussion, they, they come up upon uh, a restaurant, Cafe Rengate. Yeah. And who is there but Koichi sitting at the patio table drinking an, an iced tea or a Coke? He's <laughs> drinking something brown. Yeah. So they're like, hey, what's Koichi doing sitting alone drinking something brown? And then there's a girl, <gasps> a girl who has a piano theme. Hmm. Yes, it is the girl from the previous episode that we saw uh, briefly looking out the window at, at Koichi and Josuke, the, the tall girl with the long black hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she sits down at the table with Koichi, and both Josuke and Okuyasu just go like, Bwah! <laughs> and then it cuts to the OP with a new version of the theme song. 
Yeah, for a while, I I didn't think it was crazy, noisy, bizarre town anymore, but it is. Uh, uh, It is the EDM mix, and (laughs) it sounds exactly like a Dance Dance Revolution song. It really does, yeah. Uh, If I remember correctly, this song is used only for this episode and maybe the next. It's just for this specific... Why? I don't know. I don't know. This does not, like, okay, maybe there's something waiting in part two I haven't seen yet, but, like, Mm. if you're going to remix the song for this, I'd expect, like flutes and strings and piano something very romantic yeah maybe this girl loves edm i don't know i I guess koichi is meeting up with this girl named yukako yamagishi Um, she asked koichi to come meet her and okiyasu is nosy as hell just lay off dude why do you care so much you can ask him later just go he's just peeking around a brick wall with josuke and he's just like I've, I've got to see what's going on here. I got to know. And so they move across the road, like get behind a tree so they can be an earshot of what they're talking about. Meanwhile, Koichi is trying to guess why he was asked to be here. Yeah. Like he names so, so many things that it is clear that the idea that it's a date is not anywhere on the sheet. It did not crack the yeah. 100 f- most likely things in his mind. Yeah, it's like, oh, do you need some money? Did you want to exchange a duty shift with me for cleaning up the classroom? Do you need help with homework? What is it? <laughs> He thinks those are more likely, even though he doesn't have money and he sucks at homework. <laughs> yeah. He's like, if you want to want me to take care of a kitten or a puppy, well, I already got a big stupid dog named Police. Don't know why I told you that much detail, but there you go. <laughs> and, you know, after he lists all these things, Yukako's just like, no, 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 it's not any of those things. And she's like very timid and blushing and, 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 and all this. And she just tells Koichi just like, hey, I really like you. Everyone else in the scene is shocked by this. Josuke has to put his hand over Okiyasu's mouth because he's screaming. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's okay. We're all madly in love with Koichi. <laughs> it's true. It's a perfectly normal feeling to have. <laughs> so yeah, y- Yukako is, is you know pouring her heart out to Koichi about how much she is in love with him mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how she's always wanted to, you know tell him her feelings koichi is shocked and we see his inner monologue as a a, a like rose tinted black <laughs> and white uh, uh frame it's letterboxed by lace yes that scrolls by it's very good like it's it's very shoujo aesthetics it really it's feels shoujo, shoujo. Jojo. yeah shoujo yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Koichi's just like, wow, this is really hard to believe that a girl likes me. And then he gets like a really shitty grin on his face. just like, oh, man, a girl likes me. Meanwhile, Okiyasu is weeping from jealousy. <laughs> yeah, he, he just starts. He just asks Josuke, why doesn't anyone ever tell me that? It's not fair. Why, Josuke? Why? I have a chiseled face, too, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because like, yeah, she's been noticing Koichi's post stand glow up. Yeah, yeah. While Josuke himself is just kind of impressed. Like, yeah, yeah, good going, kid. Yeah. And then Koichi, like, before he fully accepts this, he's just like, wait a minute. Are you pulling a prank on me? Mm -hmm, He's like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. I've noticed you've gotten very manly recently. Uh, You seem courageous and confident. (laughs) She she says, you know, you have a cute smile uh, and all this. And then Josuke just says, "Eh, she's right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah the, the the boys in the bush are so supportive after the initial shock wears off like yeah. it takes a minute but then they're like hell yeah bro <laughs> you know what you deserve this like it, it develops very quickly but it still feels pretty natural of these three guys becoming bros and especially 
the the two not older i think they're the same damn age as koichi but just yeah. clearly <laughs> more grown up guys being super supportive of this little man getting some <laughs> So, so one of the other changes from from the manga to the anime is that our last two enemy stand users mm-hmm. were were initially drawn in their first appearances as huge burly men. Yes, yes. And then after they are defeated, they they shrink into the the character models that were adapted to the anime. Yep. So my question is: before the series started, who kicked Koichi's ass, <laughs> and where do I find them? Oh man, I'm, I have words beat up anybody who says anything bad about my koichi (laughs) yukako is you know asking koichi you know i love you do you feel the same way about me and koichi's just like gulp like this is cool but also this is literally the first time i've ever talked to you this is honestly a teenage boy's worst nightmare (laughs) (laughs) yeah koichi is just like a little shocked taken aback and he's just like well we just met and she's like well do you does that mean you hate me then he's like no 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 i think this is going a little fast and she gets really pissed off smashes There's two girls in that girl yeah slams the table real hard veins bulging out of her forehead really grim dark looking face heavily shaded she spills tea everywhere and she gets like a really gruff shouty voice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like do you fucking love me or do you hate me it's one or the other uh, and then she calms down. It's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, you, you must hate me for freaking out like this. What's wrong with me? And and she leaves, but she's like, okay, you will see me again, won't you? And then she runs off. So Koichi, confused, uh, uh, shocked, taken aback. Mm-hmm. He, he just tries to calm himself by taking a sip of what's left in his glass. And bro, you got to send that back. Maybe call the health inspector because it is just a mass of hair. Yeah, it's so gross. He takes a sip. It's coming out of the straw. Yeah, he takes a sip and then fucking gags and there's just hair spilling out of his mouth. It, Dude, it is such a high detailed, like highly rendered sh- close up shot of just wet, matted up black hair going through his straw. You got to get used to it, Koichi. If you two wind up moving in together, that's what your shower drain is going to look like. Yeah, it's even girls with a quarter that much hair leave hair everywhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And so Koichi or not Koichi, uh, Josuke and Okiyasu, when they see y- Yukako leave after she she freaks out, they're just like, oh, uh, well, huh. <laughs> and they just leave. <laughs> So, so we catch up with Koichi uh, sweeping up after, or, or rather before, Chem Lab, and we know this because uh, the sign hanging outside the door is layered over the frame that says Chem Lab, mm-hmm. and then just gets pulled off to the left. Very good. I love it. And he is interrupted from, from this turn on the duty shift by, wouldn't you know it, here she comes uh, uh, walking in to like, you know, cl- clear the air and, and have a talk have after their, their drink together. Yeah. It's like, I was weird yesterday. I'm sorry. Can can we just all forget about this? I, I just have a problem with kind of freaking out like that when I dwell on it, on something that's bothering me for too long. Her her gestures, her whole like physicality, along with her mood and, you know, her, her piano theme that follows her. She's a character from a different manga that fell into <laughs> Morio from some sort of portal. Yeah, yeah. She seems so out of place. yeah. And Koichi, being the very nice, polite, good boy he is, he's just like, oh, yeah, no problem at all. We can still be friends. I would love to be friends. Friends are great. I have a lot of them now. Yeah. 
I didn't last month, but that's life. Everything changed when I bumped into a six foot five man. <laughs> so yeah, af- after Koichi says, you know, hey, everything's cool. Don't worry about it. Uh, Yukako is, you know, overjoyed. Like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, we cleared the air there. That's great. Let's be friends. And then she drapes a sweater over him that she knitted for him just this morning. Beware the sweater curse. It <laughs> is real. It is real. Oh, I've never been hit with a sweater curse. Uh, the, the sweater curse is a bit of like folklore that goes around in knitting circles where if if you knit a sweater for your significant other, usually, you know, for your boyfriend, mm-hmm. the relationship will end. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and on this, this sweater that she's knit for him, there's it, it just says K and one on it. I do not know. Koichi number one, maybe? Ichi is one. Right. It's wordplay for his name. Oh, shit. That's what it is. Yeah, Koichi. That makes... There you go. You know, she's draping the sweater over Koichi, and she's just like, oh, well, I knew most of your measurements, but I didn't really know the the uh, width of your shoulders, so I had to guess a little bit. But it fits perfectly. It fits perfectly. But she doesn't just have a sweater. She has, like, plans for the weekend. She she ha- is showering him with gifts, including she made lunch for them and never turned down free food. That Don't, is my advice yeah. to you, young man. Never turn down free food. Yeah, she's made, like, a beautiful bento lunch for him with, like, sh- shrimp fresh from the market this morning. And, you know, she she's pulling out, like, the... The fancy little chopsticks. She picked out. Did the... I ever tell you about Pie Girl in college? Yes, I still. I for some reason randomly when I'm just doing stuff. I will remember Pie Girl, and I don't know why. <laughs> but to this day, I still remember Pie Girl. Yeah. Okay. For the benefit of the listener, one thing about my personal life that people may know more than anything else is that my lovely wife and I met when we were both in high school, actually. We've just been together that long. Mm -hmm. But while I was in college, there was a girl in my dorm who most surely was hitting on me. Mm -hmm. And the way she did this was by bringing me a pie from the grocery store every single week. Mm. I never dissuaded her from her notions (laughs) because I wanted the pie. (laughs) It was pretty good. I mean, it's grocery store apple pie. It's not going to be bad. Yeah, I guess There are so. better pies, but uh, how many of them are free? <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, Yukako, had, you know, she she's made this lunch, and there's, like, some other stuff in there where she's talking about how she, she went through the pain and effort to pick out every single bone, like, out of the fish, so Coochie wouldn't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she, she picks up one shrimp with the chopsticks, and then she's going to feed him. Like, say, ah... A corollary to never feed, uh, turning down free food, never accept being hand-fed. That's the line. Yeah. This is this moment is happening very slowly. It keeps cutting between shots of Koichi where there's like like a, a color shift to like dark, evil, foreboding colors and like a film grain effect over him. And then cutting to Yukako with this smile on her face. And it's all like shoujo anime looking like the complete opposite of Koichi's shot as like this mm-hmm, shrimp mm-hmm. slowly looms closer and closer to his face. But then they are interrupted because, hey, uh, class is going to start soon and you aren't finished cleaning. Uh, the, the class rep is is checking up and, and coming down on Koichi for slacking, mm-hmm. having snacks when he's supposed to be taking out the garbage. And Koichi sighs, thank God for trash. <laughs> yeah. 
He starts picking up all this garbage, and he's accidentally spilling some of it. So the class, the class rep is just like, "Oh my god, Koichi, you're fucking useless." Here, I'll pick up half the trash. We'll take it out together. Oh, that's a dead girl right there. That is a dead girl walking. Yeah, because we see Yukako reacting to this, and she just, just silent, clearly very pissed off. Her hair starts flowing in an evil-looking way, <laughs> like an evil cryptid kind of way. So yeah, Yukako finds the class rep outside uh by the the little stove where you burn trash or dogs as or the dogs. case may be oh god not again and she walks up to the class rep and she's just like hey you're hey, a fucking bitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> what the fuck are you doing stealing my man this episode is full of like i mentioned earlier here, here i'm saying it again really effective punch-up for the dub because mm. like the whole like love confession trope uh, they they heighten you know I like you to I love you to to hammer home and and get through the like cultural barrier mm-hmm. uh, that that this lady is moving super fast you know <laughs> uh, but also specific quotes like uh, uh, saying the class rep reeks with the stench of a malodorous homewrecker <laughs> yes yeah incredible I laughed out loud at that one that was really good and so yeah you, you know Yukako is is fucking going after this girl and saying hey if you don't leave koichi alone stop harassing him i will make you regret this and the class rep is just like what who yeah him what is wrong with you (laughs) yeah i'm not interested in a guy like him like you know but what i do isn't any of your business you know don't fucking boss me around or whatever and as she's saying this as like yukako is walking away we see a quick shot of like her hair snapping forward mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the class rep like flinches in pain and you see a close-up of her scalp and it looks like there are black hairs that are now embedded in her own scalp yes y- yukako has the frightening power to give people low lights oh no <laughs> everyone will have silky definition oh, and no. contrast no. Oh. So yeah, Yukako just leaves. The class rep is just like, "Why? What the fuck was that? Why is my why did my head hurt like that? Why is it so hot all of a sudden?" And <laughs> her hair's on fire. Her hair is now on mm-hmm, fire, mm-hmm. and she starts screaming and and running for help. But black hairs shoot out from her scalp that one blind her just like a blindfold mm-hmm. around her eyes. And then when she starts screaming for help, more black hair shoots out and wraps around her tongue. <laughs> to keep her from talking it's a disturbing image and it's incredible yukako's stand is a she's medusa for marvel comics she, she's medusa yeah. of the inhumans mrs <laughs> blackagar boltagon herself <laughs> so yeah as this girl is probably gonna burn to death mm-hmm. the hand appears behind her and just starts sw- cutting swiping a bunch of her hair away to get rid of the fire which leaves her bald in the back of her head Yes, uh, Okuyasu lends a helping the hand to, to <laughs> save her life, but ruin, ruin her hair. She is sort of like recovering from this momentary shock that she does not understand what happened while uh, Okuyasu and Josuke are chatting right behind her. And Josuke reminds him like, I can't restore things that disappear into your void dimension. I cannot <laughs> fix this haircut. Yeah. I, there's nothing to do here. Yeah. And she like turns around and for just the briefest moment, just a handful of frames, like the whole back of her head is bald and, and like roughly shaven, like G.I. Jane halfway <laughs> mark. Yeah, yeah. 
so Josuke and you know Okiyasu, they saw Yukako doing this crazy shit at the end. And so they're like, well, we got to help our boy out. Like, we can't, we will not stand for this shit. So it is time for a conference around the, the pool. Uh, and they decide to, to put their heads together and come up with a plan after commiserating on how rough the, the English test was. Yeah, Koichi did real bad. He got a 16. He got half of Okiyasu's score. Yeah. Koichi just cannot focus on his studies at all because he's so worried and freaked out about uh, Yukako. The notes in the margins of his uh, uh, English test are all about him, all all about him stressing out over the situation and just like hair underlying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the plan is to find a way to break them up, obviously, but he can't dump her or he's a dead man. Yeah, there's a point here when Okuyasu or uh, uh, Koichi says like I don't really know how to handle this I've never had a girl uh, you know confess her love to me before and then Okuyasu folds his arms and goes like I feel you man I can relate <laughs> and he repeats it in different words like three or four times like he really gets it he so, knows part four when people first started reading like fan translations of it on the internet a long time ago, one of the first translations around was a really poorly made one that mm-hmm. turned out to be actually, it was a Japanese or Chinese student who their English project was translating manga. Ah. And so he tried to do part four. And so this bit here with Okuyasu, uh, there's a popular version of it, of it, of the poorly translated panel that floats around that people use as a meme where he says, I feel you. I feel you deeply. Your feeling I can feel deeply. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's another really uh, uh, well-known mistranslation of an episode a while from now that I will definitely bring up because it's just really fucking funny. Like just completely incomprehensible. <laughs> Koichi can't stay with her because she is just freaking him out too much. And he can't leave because then he's got a target on his back. So they have to convince her that Koichi is unappealing, which is <laughs> an impossible task. <laughs> yeah. Sisyphean even. So Josuke and Okuyasu have decided that they've got to do the opposite of a glow up for Koichi. He has to become the nastiest boy. And Okuyasu is so excited at the idea of being friends with the smelly kid in class. He loves that idea. Yeah, he's psyched. Like, okay, you can never change your underwear. Don't ever take a shower. You got to pick your fucking nose and eat it. Like, (laughs) Try farting everywhere. Yes, he he tells Koichi to fart everywhere. But Josuke's... uh, uh, tactic is a little more tailored to the situation because you see uh yukako what she says she finds most attractive in a man is potential is Mm -hmm. is someone who clearly has a a bright future ahead of them that super is koichi right especially if if you follow him from meek boy to to, you know he's gonna do good like his egg cracked and he's (laughs) growing up you know (laughs) yeah what clearer uh, uh, metaphor for development is there than his stand is an egg that has now broken open? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Josuke and Okuyasu start uh, whispering about their their no good future prospectsless lying cheating thief of a friend Koichi and how they don't want to be friends with him because he's clearly <laughs> going nowhere in life. Yeah, and yeah. So y- Yukako hears all of this. This is the opposite of Hitch. This is <laughs> yeah. the anti-Hitch. 
Yeah. Josuke and Okuyasu are just loudly saying all these things about Koichi, including, like, he has no future. He even steals girls' panties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Yukako it looks upset about this, but she doesn't really react. She just continues to walk away. However, her clear displeasure summons the wind. Yes, yeah. Her internal feelings are externalized into nature. This couldn't get more shoujo if it tried. Yeah. I really like every everything that features Yukako in it just because it's fun to have a character from a completely different genre walking around and just being everything that embodies. <laughs> so meanwhile, at Koichi's banging house that people would love to steal from him, uh, he has a nice little moment with police. Yeah. I like police. Yeah, me too. Please don't snip that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I see how it is. You see one good police dog. <laughs> He's not even a police dog. He's just a dog named police. <laughs> so yeah, Koichi is, uh, you know, he he's laying down in his bed, you know, talking out loud, just hoping like that, you know, Yukako will give up on him. He's wearing this kind of good, this shirt I kind of want. It's like a, mm. a powder blue with a pink Lucky Land logo on it. I kind of want that. Yeah, that's all right. I, I, I could fuck with that. Uh, but as he is, you know, just lost in this stressful situation, he doesn't know how to handle. He, he drifts off to sleep and imagines uh, Yukiko emerging from a bright point of light from the darkness, <laughs> which is a weird nightmare to have, you know? Yeah. Cute girl descending from the heavens. If that's scary to you, you're having problems. You need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. He's not sleeping very well. And then he's, his eyes just snap open. He's awake and... Oh god, she's here. Oh she's, fuck, fuck she, she's here. She's here. She's fucking she's pressed against the window <laughs> like a vampire. Yeah. Just looming. And she's like super tall too, so she's really looming over him. It's the second floor and she's not on a ladder. She's so tall. Oh my god. <laughs> and the windows uh slam open and her long, long hair shoots out like tendrils and wraps around him and, and lifts him into the air. She's heard so many bad things about Koichi recently from from his friends. You know, Koichi must be acting up. But she knows the true Koichi. She sees the potential within him. And you know, some girls they love a project. Yeah. You know? They're they're real attracted to a fixer upper. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Imagine looking at Koichi and thinking, I can fix him. Right. It's like looking at Michelangelo's David and saying, eh, it's okay. I could do better. Yeah, I could I could I could do another pass on this. <laughs> so yeah, she she is going to turn Koichi into the ideal man. And so she abducts him and takes mm-hmm. him to some other house. I've had some bad dates in high school, but none of them involved a kidnapping. Yeah. You know, Koichi like passed out and he wakes up in a, a completely different house, who knows where. Another, also a swanky house, gotta say. It's morning now, and Yukako is wheeling in uh, a beautiful-looking breakfast for Koichi. Never turn down free food. Even so, follow the rules. Mm-hmm. It looks good. It's like a like an omelet and shit, and yeah. And so Koichi is immediately trying to think of an escape plan. He realizes that Yukako must have a stand, and it's her hair. Mm-hmm. And Yukako brings up that she has this weird hair power, and it happened after she got shot by an arrow, but she's not sure if it was just a weird nightmare or not. Mm-hmm. 
And Koichi asks her, like, have you ever met anyone else with a power like that? And she says no. So she has no idea that anyone else has stands. And this is interesting because, like, if you, I mean, even taking it out of this, like, high school relationship nightmare story, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of someone who has a stand and has no idea what a stand is or, like, how to process or deal or, like, anything about, th- that would fuck you up. That yeah. has a pretty good chance of fucking you up. Yeah, totally. Yukako is, you know, setting the table, getting the the breakfast ready, some eggs, some ham, omelet, all this shit. And Koichi is about to bite down like a a roll or something. And she goes, all this food is shot through with HGH. That's how she's going to make the perfect Koichi. (laughs) Going to force this growth spurt on you, boy. (laughs) And just as Koichi is about to bite down, like he stops worrying for a second because he's just like, damn, this food looks good. Uh, (laughs) She goes, hold on a second, Buster. I've seen your English test results. This is unacceptable. I'm going to choose not to notice all these notes in the margins about how much I terrify you. <laughs> so breakfast isn't just breakfast. Breakfast is a study session. We, we got to get our boy smart and, and getting good grades again. Damn, lady. Most people just get flashcards. Mm-hmm. And so she brings out three big boxes labeled A, B, and C that have little uh, uh, slots in them that like slide questions or flashcards into. And inside mm-hmm. each box is a different breakfast that she's made. And if Koichi gets the right answer, he gets the good breakfast. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, <laughs> no matter what he answers, he has to eat what's in the box. Yeah. So the first question is about how to uh, uh, translate uh, uh, the term funky music as used by Prince. Yeah. I reject the question outright. One does not translate the idea of funk in terms of prescriptive grammar. <laughs> no, thank you. And while Yukako is answering this, you do see Prince in the frame from behind. So they don't get sued, I guess. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, she asks this question. How do you translate that? You know, A, a type of exciting music, B, a type of primitive music, C, a type of whimsical music. None of these are very good matches, aside from any, like, connotations in the Japanese language that don't directly translate, because (laughs) that's all funk is. It is a connotation that does not directly translate. Yeah. Koichi's freaking out in his head because he doesn't know the answer, Mm -hmm. and he is terrified what happens if he gets the wrong answer. So he just randomly guesses... He goes for B, and yay, he got it right. I mean, honestly, primitive music, I find that offensive. Yeah. But uh, inside, there are a pair of uh, nice boiled eggs in little egg cups, Mm -hmm. and she offers to salt it for him, so this is doing okay. Oh, right. Maybe this will be just fine. And then she's like, okay, just so you know what's up (laughs) here. Uh, If you had picked A, you would be eating an eraser. Just like a white rubber eraser. Yep. And if you had picked C, you'd be eating a bar of soap. <laughs> so let's focus. <laughs> I love how insane th- this part gets. Like it just ramps up like into like weird, like waking nightmare territory. So, okay. She hears Josuke and Okuyasu, you know, snitching. Basically, she goes home and like, think, think, how, how do I get him on the right track? Well, I've got some eggs and I've got a lot of literal actual trash. I think I could put something together. (laughs) So it's time for the second question, which is how is contrast written in Japanese? These questions must have been hard to translate in a way that makes sense for the English dub. Mm -hmm, So it's mm -hmm. A, symmetry, B, target, 
see comparison, but she's saying the Japanese word for those, even in the English dub. So Koichi, who has not been studying, he's <laughs> not good at English. That's the point. He just sort of like eeny, meeny, miny, mows it. And as his gaze is going between the three boxes, he notices whether Yukiko is very angry or very happy. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm going to pick the box that makes you smile. That seems like the right answer. And then she's like, were you watching my face? <laughs> Were you cheating? <laughs> you have to eat all the boxes. Oh, man. So behind one box, there is porridge made of English flashcards. So he <laughs> will know the answers to the questions from the inside out. And you know what? We need to broaden your vocabulary. That's why one box is asparagus spears wrapped in dictionary pages. <laughs> Get to munching, little boy. <laughs> Oh, it's so fucking crazy. Yeah, so better memorize the answers while eating them. And she like jabs a fork into the asparagus wrapped in dictionary pages. And she's like really pissed off. Like, I'm going to fucking feed you. Eat it now. Another, another amazing dub line. Now open up that mouth because here comes the knowledge. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. the floor. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. And so Koichi goes, fuck this. And he goes to run headfirst out a window. <laughs> but before he can get out the window, a whole bunch of her hairs shoot and embed themselves into his scalp and hike him all the way up to the ceiling. Yep, yep. He's suspended like a pinata from the ceiling of this house. Is this her house? No. She broke into a rich dude's <laughs> a, a vacation home, so no one will be here for months. And we're nice and secluded, so no one will hear you scream. <laughs> and if you're screaming, you better be screaming in perfect English grammar, my man. <laughs> And so, yeah, Koichi's just, like, in a ball on the floor looking up at this super tall psycho lady looming over him. And, yeah, she wheels out the the breakfast trays and stuff. She's like, hey, I'm going to be back. You better be studying. She's saying, like, you might resent me for a few days, but love is invincible. And then she just slams the door and Koichi screams. And that's the mm -hmm. end of the episode. No escape, no telephone. The lines have been yeah, cut. Yeah, when Koichi first wakes up, he looks at the wall and he sees a... a uh, a phone line outlet and the line's just been like it doesn't even look like it's been cut cleanly it looks like it just got ripped out by hand or something the audacity of it oh my god i'm so excited i'm so excited to see how this ends because yeah. like like i said at the top koichi is the most normal teen and like that really follows through and, and uh gets delivered uh in, in this story this is what dating as a teen feels like yes especially you know your first few goes where you don't you don't know. You don't know the rules. You don't know what to expect or what's expected of you. You're just fucking faking it. Is this is this normal? This feels bad. <laughs> yeah. This two-parter is so fucking good. I I love the use of stand fights as as puberty. This is <laughs> this is the incredible case of a stand fight where neither one of them know they're in a stand fight. We've yeah. had it one-sided before, but this is the next step. Yeah, yeah, it's so rad. I love Koichi. The the big standout thing from this for me is Yukako personally. Just I someone who seems to just be every trope from a shoujo thing and then she just turns fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping she joins the crew. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Right? We need to mix things up, you know? Yeah. Maybe in the second half of the season, she'll have a redemption arc. <laughs> and still be f off her fucking rocker, of course. Yeah. But, but, you know, aiming it at everyone else. 
So I've never done cosplay before, but I've joked, joked around with, with my, my girlfriend, Voiberger, because, you know, she is much taller than me, that uh-huh, we should do uh-huh. Yukako and Koichi sometime. <laughs> the most expensive wig. There's so much hair on there, Yeah, girl. It's, it's a lot of hair. I, I don't know where you get a wig that long. Well, you get four, and then you sew them together. Uh, okay, yeah, there we go. This is where the recentering uh, uh, of, you know, JoJo as high school adventures really settles in. Like, this, mm. this is where, no, that, that's not an aberration. That's what's happening. Uh, the, these are heroes that go to class, and, and I'm surprised none of them are on a sports team yet. Maybe in an episode or two that'll come <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. And also, yeah, the, the mystery of, of the weak nature of it. Like, mm-hmm. we are trying to follow step by step. The dominoes are eventually leading us back to this arrow. But sometimes adventure just finds you. <laughs> yeah. I'm really looking forward to the, the later parts of, like, the mystery and where that leads. Because it's, so, mm-hmm, oh, it's mm-hmm. so good. There's a lot of really good character shit in part four. I think that's why I like this one the most. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can see it a lot in just how it's focusing on Koichi and what it's doing with that. But, like, a lot of characters, even if characters don't get as much focus as Koichi does, like, what they get is still really good and effective. There's this big switch from from part three to part four where our villains are not so irredeemable. They're not monsters. Like, the the three we talked about today in particular, like, uh, uh, Keicho... Keicho might have crossed a line while, you know, Josuke would have wanted to help him across it. He did not see that path. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, Keicho's downfall. But everyone else we fought, okay, also Angelo, but <laughs> yeah. everyone we fought recently has had a redemptive quality to them. Like, yeah. the Molgoth is just so invested in his, like, stagnant adolescent anger. He's not a bad guy. He just wants to be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. That's distinct. That's different. Yeah, and I think the, the difference is, like, you know, Angelo and Keicho, you know, they were doing a bunch of bad shit, but they were also, like, kind of bad people already. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. meanwhile, everyone else who has had a stand, they're just normal, innocent people who got shot with an arrow that gave them with a, a power that they sh- should not have. And, like, they don't know how to deal with that power well. Yeah. And it causes them to act out. So, yeah, my, my scummy scam artistry is going to get a little more audacious. That's that's it, really. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a danger to anyone. Yeah. I mean, un- unless you uh, have, you know, some some extra cash in your pocket and, and aren't too sharp, then he's <laughs> a danger to you. But that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. And, you know, while we still have to see part two of this Yukako thing next week, you know, she could also just be cool. And she yeah. has just gone a little, you know, out of control because of this 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 hair thing she's got going on. I mean, from the other side, you can see a world where she is just as confused about the the world of romance opening up to her as as an adolescent youth as Koichi is. She she might be taller, but that doesn't mean she's more confident. She's she's a big mess of feelings yeah. and uh, uh has some like rejection dysphoria and freaky superpowers (laughs) yeah and that's gonna make you behave differently than if you didn't have that power like this is just a lot of people going out of control with having a a sense of power that they've never had before really right 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 that that's a fun different type of stand user to have rather than just like hey i'm a fucking asshole dude i love kicking puppies a vampire hired me (laughs) i murder eight people before breakfast or else i can't sleep good (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, and that, that's another aspect of part four I really like is just dealing with ordinary people who suddenly have superpowers and they don't know what the fuck to do about it. <laughs> yeah. So yes, next week we will be back with Yukiko Yamagishi Falls in Love Part 2 and the following episodes, episodes 9 through 11. I love the I love the title of episode 10. My goodness. Oh my god, I am very excited for episode 10. <laughs> it... it like how part three has a couple specific episodes that everyone's just like, that's what part three is about. That's fucking part three. It's so good. One of the really, really good standout episodes of part four is is episode 10. Oh, God. Yeah. Should I say the name? Because I love the name. Yeah, say the name. Let's go eat some Italian food. <laughs> yeah, let's go eat some Italian food is a really good episode. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for that one. Uh, and then we'll be closing on Red Hot Chili Pepper part one. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I'm excited for every episode of Part 4, really, but especially mm-hmm, Let's Go mm-hmm. Eat Some Italian Food. Uh, so with that, we are going to head out just shortly. While we're gone, why don't you tell a friend about how much fun you had listening to us? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's how we grow the show. It's how we develop. It's how we uh, uh, expand this community of hopefully very positive, engaged, and, and actively critical <laughs> JoJo fans. Yeah. Wherever you're listening to us right now, we're also on a couple other places. We're we're on SoundCloud, we're on uh, YouTube, on Chip Cheese and LPs, uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of those. Again, if you want the RSS, it's out there, or just ask us. Yeah, I don't know why SoundCloud doesn't make the RSS just a public. Right? Why why isn't that a button people can just click? I do not understand. Ah. People want the feed. Yes, huh? <laughs> I, it's, it's so annoying. I don't. I do not get it. That's all we really ask. Like this yeah. show, along with all of our projects, are Patreon supported. It's out there, but all we're really asking for is is word of mouth. And uh, if you want to give us a review, it would go a long way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, with that, I guess we'll see it next week and eat some Italian food. God, I hope there is no hair in it. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh. To be continued. See you later, folks. Mm-hmm.